0: Our scripture reading this morning comes from Psalm 103, verses one to 12. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, good morning. It is good to be here and worship together. And what a privilege and delight to get to share together in God's word this morning. I'm a member of our church who's been here for over 30 years. So this is truly my church family and our family's church family. And I guess you'd say I'm a lay leader who loves to talk about God and about his word. Now, I have a question for you. Is anyone tired of hearing about snow in the forecast? (laughs) I am tired of hearing about snow. And did you survive the snowpocalypse? The snowpocalypse. Our record February snow a couple of weeks ago. And I don't know if you saw the article, but some newcomer, some transplant to our city, was doing this Twitter rant about how we were responding to the snow. Things like, I've never seen anything like the grocery stores and the people trying to stock up with emergency tomatoes and just leaving all the bottles of water. I've never seen such panic over four to five inches of snow. And the best one of all, and there were gluten-free bread lines. Now, just before the snow event became a reality, I was lulled by the January warmth, and I was ready for color. And so I thought, oh, I'm going to go get some primroses. Primroses, a whole flat of primroses. And I put them by the front door when I thought, okay, the snow's coming. This will protect them. But no, it didn't protect them. And take a look at what happened. Those are primsicles. Crimsicles, locked in ice, they're frozen, they're stuck. And so I'm really glad that we seem to be past the worst of the weather. And also during these past weeks, I've actually really been enjoying this series of resilience. This series about Joseph that Matt has been doing. Because I love the story of Joseph in Genesis. And we aren't to the end of his story yet, but it did seem last week that maybe the worst was past at least to a point. All along, God had been showing favor to Joseph, even though 20 years before, his brothers had wanted to kill him, and instead they sold him into slavery, and then he was wrongly imprisoned. But then, again, with God's favor, he ended up being second in command of Egypt and using his God-given and God-trained skills to help in a desperate famine. But then his brothers show up. Those brothers who'd been so jealous and angry they'd wanted to kill him. And what a shock that must have been. And those those trauma memories and emotions must have come back and filled Joseph. What was he gonna do? What was in his heart? what was in his brother's hearts. And so last week we saw how Joseph began to enter the process of forgiveness. And so I want to take a side journey today to think about forgiveness a little bit more. And that can be a hard topic. That can be a sensitive issue. But it's a critical concept in Scripture, isn't it? And the, the dictionary version Means, or definition means, you know, pardon or to decide to not hold resentment against someone anymore. It can mean a forgiveness or a giving of freedom from a debt. But I think it's not quite that dry and it's not that simple. What is forgiveness from the heart? Because Jesus said we're to forgive from the heart. So what, what does that look like? What does that feel like? And so we looked at Psalm 103, and in that, I think we can see a number of things. One, God's heart of forgiveness, so we'll look at that. And then we can look at the healing that forgiveness can bring, and we can also think about the humility it takes to forgive, and the humility it takes to ask for forgiveness. But how do you forgive when the hurt is deep, when it seems like your heart is just frozen and locked up, where there's this feeling of hurt that doesn't know how to interact with the person who had a part in the pain. When time keeps going but is not healing the wound. And some of you I know have had experiences, and many experiences I don't know, that have been traumatic, have been difficult, or are currently difficult, and you don't maybe know how to forgive or what that process might look like. But God is able. And what a wonderful name it is, that name of Jesus. And so I want us to think about how entering the process of forgiveness is well worth the effort it takes. And entering that process is also worth the freedom that it brings. And so it starts with God's heart of forgiveness, and so let's look a little bit further at Psalm 103. The psalmist wants to praise God from the depths of his soul. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. And the psalmist does not want to forget all the blessings and benefits that God has given. And they were listed here who forgives all your sins, who heals your diseases and that could mean physical, but I think it can also mean emotional and spiritual, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. He renews you. All of these wonderful blessings that God gives. And why does he give those? It's because of who he is. God is those things. It says this in verse eight. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. And you know, that's what Moses learned when Moses wanted to see God and know him more. And he asked to see God's face, but he wasn't able to see God's face. Sinful people cannot. But he was able to experience God passing by and experience God's character That's what the voice of God said was what we see in verse 8. The Lord, the Lord, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. And so forgiveness is at the core of God's heart. It's at the core of the gospel because people who caused the break in the relationship between God and humanity couldn't do anything about it, but it was God who reached and made a way across that chasm. Why did He want restored relationship? Because He is a God of forgiveness and grace. Verse 10 says, He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. No, He didn't treat humanity as deserved, instead he removed the damage of the relationship himself through Jesus. And so Jesus is really the embodiment of God's forgiveness and God's desire to reconcile. Psalm 130 is another one that's wonderful to think about when you think about forgiveness. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord, hear my voice. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. And that redemption was through Jesus, that terrible cost of sin that Jesus took on himself, who died, who rose, that we could have that restored relationship. And so, as it says in Psalm 103, our sin is taken as far as from the east is from the west. That sounds like gone to me, as far as the east is from the west. So the first question, or maybe it's the second one now, have you received the forgiveness that God offers? Have you received that? And we're going to celebrate baptism today, someone who has received that beautiful gift of forgiveness and relationship. And we can celebrate that together. And we can celebrate our own forgiveness in Christ. What about the ongoing need for forgiveness? Even as believers, we still have that need to confess our sin and know that He's faithful. And he does forgive. So, if we're forgiven people, and we have this new relationship, and we have the Spirit within us, then it makes sense that we're to be forgiving people as well. And so, our first takeaway is this. Those forgiven by God are empowered to forgive others. Those empowered by God, those forgiven by God, are empowered to forgive others, So where do you need to remember this? Maybe there's a hard situation right now where you don't see how to even step into the process, and yet we can trust God's empowering to lead us step by step. And entering that process doesn't only honor God and reflect Him, but it also can bring healing. Bring healing. And so if we know that we're supposed to, then why is it that sometimes we resist? And maybe you've said something like this or heard something like this. Well, but he was wrong and he hasn't apologized. So you don't want to forgive. Or maybe you heard someone say, well, she's the one who left me. How can I forgive that? Or they've been insulting me most of my life and you expect me to forgive them? Or I don't feel like I can forgive. There's too much hurt I'm too angry, and what difference is it going to make anyway? I've heard those things, and maybe you have too, or maybe you've said them. I love to think about Colossians 3 also when I think about forgiveness, where it says that we're to clothe ourselves as God's people with compassion and kindness and humility, gentleness, patience, and it says in verse 13 of Colossians 3, bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these things, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. And then it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Forgiveness is a way of being a peacemaker. And not only that, as peacemakers, we also find peace. And in Hebrews, he also says, make every effort to be at peace with everyone. Don't let bitterness grow up inside of you and cause trouble. Why do you talk about bitterness? Unforgiveness leads to bitterness, doesn't it? And I think God knows that harboring unforgiveness and bitterness is damaging to us. It's too dangerous to ignore. It makes our heart like a big chunk of ice. We're not quite to that one yet. (laughs) So, we know we're supposed to forgive. But layers of hurt can take layers of healing. And so, I think that's where we need to remember it's a process. Layers of hurt can take layers of healing. And so, our decision to forgive and keep forgiving and forgive again may not seem like it's getting anywhere, but we don't realize it is bringing layers of healing. The 70 times 7 that Jesus talks about. I have a friend who, she and a sibling who lives in another state, have had difficulty for a long time. Years and years of hurt. And she was going to call up her sister and hash out the most recent injury. And so she was trying to get a hold of her. They hadn't spoken to each other in over a year. And so she kept trying and and wasn't getting through, wasn't getting through. And she stopped trying and thought, okay, I need to pray about this. So she started praying right then. She even read some scripture, thought about this, and then said, okay, Lord, if you want me to talk to her, then help me get a hold of her. And of course, then the phone rang and the sister answered and there it was. And what she found, instead of hashing and venting her anger, she found herself calm and even gracious. And they were able to have this conversation. And she was able to explain her feelings and the problem. She was also sorry that she'd stored up bitterness, she said to her sister. And she told me later, she said This was an amazing and really helpful conversation. It was very successful, even though in the end, my sister didn't apologize to me. My friend felt God's approval, and she felt that she was able to let go. That's a layer of healing, a layer of forgiveness. But forgiveness doesn't negate the sad truth that situations might still need boundaries. I was reading recently about emotional abuse, where someone tries to control you through manipulation, or manipulate through shaming, or through harsh words, or maybe silent treatment, anger. Really difficult, and this happens in marriages sometimes, or with siblings, like we saw with my friend's example. It can happen with college roommates, it can happen with a coworker. And you know, sometimes, Even in the process of deciding to forgive, you still might need some boundaries or some distance. You may need to have a conversation of what's acceptable and not to say or behave. Maybe it needs some counseling, maybe seeing a pastor or another professional to talk about this. But you and I can still choose to forgive in those hard situations. It's not condoning the other's behavior. But in the end, it's helping us become free of pain and of the burden, of the effects. So whenever you're finding resistance to forgiveness, let's think about this, that bitterness and unforgiveness prolong the pain of the problem. Bitterness and unforgiveness prolong the pain of the problem. But with God's help, those layers of healing Can begin to occur. Are you waiting for someone else to apologize first? Maybe it's better to give the situation up to God. Trusting his work in it. Knowing that that healing can come. And that it's worth the effort that you put into it. But you know that effort can also take humility. Humility. Some humility is involved with forgiveness, isn't it? And yet Jesus offered forgiveness and humbled himself to do it. The divine taking on humanity to pardon, to restore fellowship. But what if you're on the receiving end of someone else who thinks that you need to ask their forgiveness when they believe you've wronged them? that can take humility too, can it? It means humbling ourselves. And humility, you know, it can't be forced. You don't want it to be inauthentic, like someone who saw another person wearing a button that said, proud to be humble. <laughs> and you know, it's not looking down on yourself either. One author puts it this way, it's not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. Thinking of yourself less. And I wonder if that can help us. If our goal is honoring God and reflecting Him by being forgiving people, if we're humble about it, maybe we'll be less caught up in the I statements. Why didn't do anything wrong? Or why should I have to say something first? It can help us remember that conflicts have two sides. And we can acknowledge our own role. And that's another step in thawing those icy places in our hearts. Psalm 103.6 says, The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Can we humbly entrust our situation to the one who will work righteousness? Forgiveness is a topic that I see being so important in so many people's lives because I see people struggling with that or asking, how, how am I supposed to do this? Or I've seen people healed through the process. And I have what I call a Joseph experience because like I said, I love the story of Joseph and one time when I was teaching on Genesis and the story of Joseph, it was a time where I realized that I'd been struggling for a long time in a challenging relationship. And one where I felt a lot of guilt because I was having trouble forgiving. And I would ask the Lord, Lord, would you help me forgive? And I'd read scriptures about it and then feel guilty and struggle with that. And I prayed for that help. Well, when I was actually talking to a group about the Joseph story, and spoiler alert, he does forgive his brothers, But it's beautiful, and we'll talk more about that later. It came to me right in the middle of talking about it. Oh, I don't need to forgive them. I need to ask them to forgive me. What a realization. And it was one that I kind of had to talk about at the moment because it was, like, affecting me. I knew I had to go to that person and explain the realization that, wow, would you... Forgive me for the hurt over the years I caused you. And it was such a nudge from God's spirit that I didn't have to think through the pride or the humility part of it. I just had to do it. And God blessed that. Then came the freedom. The freedom from the guilt, the freedom from the trying, and a freedom in the relationship that hadn't been there before. And so from that, I learned that forgiveness is not only from the heart, it's for the heart. Forgiveness is not only from the heart, as Jesus told us to do, but it's for the heart. Isn't that what we need as God's people in a very cold and harsh and resentful world? A world, an era of anger and bitterness the healing and humility of the heart of God. Isn't that what we want to reflect as God's people? A forgiveness that stems from His love and grace. So I've experienced, and I hope we can all experience, that entering that difficult step-by-step process of forgiveness is more than worth the freedom that it brings to our very souls and to our relationships. And not entering that process can leave us with hearts as frozen as those primsicles, frozen in a frozen landscape. And, you know, I thought my flowers were a lost cause, but look what happened with the thaw. Those are the same ones. I didn't switch them out. Now, that's a resilient plant. And learning to forgive from the heart is not a lost cause either, no matter how others respond or what they think, because it's God's work in you and me, and his work is what can produce a lush, resilient blooming that brings beauty into your life and mine and others. Let's pray.